Well, without further ado, Brian, if you'd be willing to come up, I'd love to pray with you as you lead us today. Would you welcome Brian Young to the, to the pulpit? It hasn't been all that long ago. We were standing right here. We were doing VBS, and uh, it's just great to have you back, Brian. Brian is uh, joined today by his wife, and it's Tara, right? And so we're very excited to have her with us. First-time guest. Make sure you fill out that card, right, and go get a gift at the welcome desk. And uh, we're just excited to have him here. Again, this is Missions Month, so all this month you're hearing from a guest speaker in Sunday school and also here in the worship service. Will you pray with me over Brian and our time in the Word? Father, thank you so much for bringing Brian here safely today. And Lord, we trust that you've placed a word on his heart to share that's going to penetrate our hearts deeply. And I pray, Lord, that we would grow from the time we're spending in the Word today. Use Brian as an open vessel to just receive and to present what it is that you want directly from your throne. And we thank you for this. And this time we just ask your blessing over it and the kids as well as they grow in the word. And we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You bet. Do you have a mic? You got I a think mic. so. He's yeah, mic'd I up. do. Well, it is very good to be back here again today. Uh, today we are going to be looking uh, into a passage, well, Jeremiah chapter, chapter 27. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to, to pull those out because we're just going to go verse by verse through this. You're going to want to see it. Um, if it's on your phone, pull out your phone. Uh, whatever you need to do to get to Jeremiah chapter 27. We're going to look at that because today, uh, as most of you know, uh, our ministry, the Creation Instruction Association, really the goal of that ministry is to just lift up Jesus in the authority of him, the authority of God's word. And I really strongly believe that that is something that has been lost in churches today, that we have so many churches that you can go to and you can hear some nice self-help messages, but you're hearing very little about the word of God. We've got a lot of, you know, stories that can be told, but there's no power in that. The power is found in Jesus. The power is found in his word. And so the question is, how to know truth? How do you know truth? How can you discern it? Because there are so many churches out there, so many different doctrines, so many different people telling you, you should do this, you should do that. This is okay, this is not okay. How do we know? And if we have let the Bible and its authority slide out of the way in our society, there is no way to know. Is it a, because a majority of the people agree? Because your friends think that it's okay? Because your pastor says it's all right? We need the Word of God because the Word of God is a guide. And even most importantly, how do we even know what the gospel is? Because do you know that we can go to a lot of churches and there's a lot of self-help, but we'll never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We never really have the complete solution because the Word isn't there. And so as we look at Jeremiah chapter 27 here, starting at verse 1, 
you're going to see that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end can bring death. That's what Proverbs tells us. And here we see a historical example of that very thing, that there's a way that seems right, but the end is death. It seems right to a man, but it's not right according to the word of God. It says this, early in the reign of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord said to me. Make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it on your neck. Then send word to the kings of Edom, Moab, Amnon, Tyre, Sidon, through the envoys who have come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. Give them a message for their master and say, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Now, I want you to understand the background of what's going on here. Right now, we have Jerusalem is being surrounded by the armies of Babylon, a world power, an enemy of Israel, has been for some time. Already, we see that the kingdom of Israel... The, the northern tribes have already been captured by Assyria. They've been taken and assimilated into the Assyrian cultures. And God has been gracious to the king, the southern tribes of Judah, and he has allowed them to survive a little longer because there were eight kings out of the 20 of them that actually followed God. So not very many. You might say much like what's in the United States. Okay, not many of our leaders seem to be following God today. Well, finally, God did get fed up with enough. His, his uh, patience had run out, and he was going to allow the Babylonians to come and conquer Jerusalem. But not just Jerusalem. You can even see all these other countries, Moab, Amnon, Tyre, Sidon. This is a world power. It's coming. This is a picture of judgment. No one is exempt here. Well, it goes on here in verse 6. Now I will give all your countries into the hands of my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. All nations will serve him. You see, God can use a donkey to speak to Balaam, right? He can use Nebuchadnezzar an ungodly man at this point, an enemy of Israel, to do his bidding, to do his will. And so I want you to understand that as well. God is not out of control in this country. God is using even the most ungodly of leaders for his purposes today. Keep that in mind as we go. In verse 8, it continues, If however any nation or kingdom will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, or bow its neck under its, his yoke, I will punish that nation with the sword, famine, and plague, declares the Lord, until I destroy it by his hand. So, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums, or your sorcerers, who tell you you will not serve the king of Babylon. Imagine for a moment that somebody comes and says that you are now going to be captured and you are to serve your, your rival enemy. I mean, your arch nemesis. That's what Jeremiah is coming to tell these people. Your enemy is coming. He is going to conquer you and you must serve him. 
That's not going to sit well with you, is it? Nor does it sit well with the people here of Israel. It goes on and it says, In the fifth month of that same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, we're in chapter 28, verse 1 here, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azur, who was from Gibeon, said to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people. So Jeremiah has gone and he has given this word to the people, you are going to be conquered, it's not a good thing, but just do this, obey God, serve those that conquer you. Now there's this another prophet that comes along, not just any, you know, just volunteer off of the street, a prophet of God, somebody who has been known as a prophet of God, somebody who has spoken God's word in the past, somebody who is a, a leader in the church, you might say, is coming and he's going to say something different here. But before I tell you what he says, I want you to kind of just put yourself in this position for a moment. He's coming and notice that he is in the house of God. It's a big church meeting. They're in the, in the temple. They're in the synagogue right now. They are meeting together with not just, you know, people off of the street again, but it says here, in the presence of the priests, the other church leaders. We're having like a church conference here. Pastors from all around are coming to sit here with you to hear this man of God, this prophet, this elevated man speak. And, yes, the people are there too. So you can imagine, because of the situation that's going on here, Babylon is coming, everybody's tense, the, the nerves are, are there, and they have got to be sitting on the edge of their seat just saying, what is this prophet going to tell us? What's he going to tell us? So just imagine the mood that's going on here for a moment, okay? Because this is a very important event going on. Now, in verse 2 he says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. A little more background here. You see, Nebuchadnezzar has already been here, and he has taken back people like Daniel, Mishael, uh, you know, you know, uh, Meshach, Abednego, all these guys, the, the higher, kind of more intelligent, higher up people, he took them back already. So a lot of the people who are now sitting in this room listening to Hananiah have loved ones who have been taken captive. They're gone. You know what message they would like to hear, I'm sure, right? Exactly what Hananiah is telling them. Within two years... We're going to break this yoke off. Everything's going to be okay. Just, just two years. That's going to give these people hope. They're going to be excited. Yes, I'm going to see my boy again. I'm going to see my cousin. I'm going to see my friend. They're coming back. But the problem is, is wait a minute. That's not what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, stop. You're going to serve these people. And you're going to serve them for a long time. As a matter of fact, earlier he said, it's going to be 70 years that you're going to serve these people. But now you've got this prophet of God coming and saying, no, only two years. How do you know? How do you know when you have two prophets coming and saying two different messages? 
Do you think maybe the churches might be there today? I'll tell you what, I look at the church or or the state of Christianity today and I see God's word saying one thing and I see a lot of pastors, godly men, saying something completely different. I go around this country and I see churches who no longer stand on the message of Genesis anymore. They don't believe in creation, a young earth that, you know, dinosaurs lived with people. No, this earth is millions of years old. Science has told us that. Because, you see, the Bible's not an authority anymore. Now, I'm not going to get into that. I think most of you have heard me speak before, and you know that I'm going to tell you the earth is not millions of years old. Dinosaurs did live with people, and there's lots of science to show that. But most importantly, the Bible tells us this. But we're not going to get in to answer those questions today. What I want you to see is that sometimes we're going to be facing situations in the church and it's going to require discernment. It's going to require knowing how to discern what truth truly is. Last time I was here, I kind of brought up Isaac, and I'm just going to bring that up again because it's very applicable. Do you remember when Isaac was going blind? He had two sons, right? Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau, they kind of quarreled, and Jacob was going to steal Esau's blessing. So Jacob disguises himself as Esau to come into his father. And his father is fooled by virtually everything except for one thing, the voice of Isaac. Now, by the way, Isaac, or uh, Jacob, I mean, Jacob is also a Christ figure as well. So Isaac is fooled by everything, the the hands, the smell. He can smell Esau because Jacob is wearing Esau's clothing. He's fooled by virtually everything except for the one thing that bothers Isaac is the voice. He says, the voice is that of my son Jacob, but you smell like Esau. Your food tastes like the food of of Esau. Okay, Your skin feels like the skin of Esau. In, In other words, every sense, every emotion, because by the way, Jacob really wanted to bless, or Isaac, Isaac truly wanted to bless his son Esau. And so his emotions were also involved here. What he wanted to hear, what he wanted to do. But everything failed him. All of his senses failed except for the word that he heard. The voice of his son Jacob. Guys, that's what I'm here to tell you today. Your senses, your emotions are going to fail you because there's a lot of people out there trying to give you a message that you want to hear. They're going to tell you exactly what your heart wants. It's going to sound nice. It's going to feel nice. But the only way to keep from being deceived is to know the voice of God, to know his word. It's sad to say most people in the church today do not know the word of God. 
You, you maybe have seen things on the internet. You can say, you know, Shakespeare or God. God helps those who help themselves. How many people think that's in the scriptures? Okay? But it's not. Okay, things like that. We don't know God's word. And if you don't know it, I can promise you, you will be deceived. Let's see what happens here in Jeremiah. We go to verse 5 of chapter 28. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. Now you might be saying, wait, 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 wait a minute, Jeremiah. What are you saying here? You're agreeing with him? No. Nevertheless. What he's saying is, yes, this is what I wish would happen too. I could wish that all of our friends and family will be brought back in two years, that we are not going to lose this temple, but... Nevertheless, I know the word of God. He goes on and he says this, Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his word or prediction comes true. Okay, Jeremiah is not going to allow his emotions to take over. He's taking them back to the word of God. Nevertheless, yes, there have been people who have prophesied all these things in the past. Nevertheless, any prophet who prophesies peace, here's the only way you're going to know. Does it come true? And he goes on. Verse 10, then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and he broke it. And he said before all the people, this is what the Lord says, in the same way I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went kicking and screaming. No, he just went on his way. You know, the Bible warns us, warn a divisive person once, okay? Warn him a second time and then just, you're done. This is what Jeremiah practices here as well. He's not going to go, he gave the word, and the people will hear it, or they will reject it. But Hananiah, in perfect prophet form, I mean, again, one of those things that the people, oh, this is definitely of God. You know, because it's not the first time we've seen things like this. You know, we see uh, Elijah uh, has the king shoot these arrows, a sign of what's going to happen. Uh, we, we see Paul, in, uh, in the New Testament, Agabus binds him. He says, in the same way, you are going to go to Jerusalem and be bound up, right? We see prophets of God doing these kinds of things. And so now Hananiah is taking this yoke off of Jeremiah's neck, breaking it and saying, oh, you know, this has got to be of God. It's nice and, you know, creative and, and symbolic. Well... Jeremiah 17 also says this, the heart is deceitful and wicked beyond cure. Who can understand it? Tell you what, guys, just because you want to hear a message, homosexuality, I can't tell you how many Christians today are telling me it's okay for people to practice homosexuality. You know why? 
Because their heart wants to say it's okay. You know why? Because they have a loved one, a friend, a family member, someone that they know who is disobeying God's word. And because of that, they want to believe it so bad. I have a brother who's a practicing homosexual. I would love to be able to say, oh, it's okay to continue in your lifestyle as long as you love God. I can't do that, though, because it's not true. And if I love him, I'm going to give him the truth in love. But I'm going to give him the truth. You see, there are so many people today, because we have this seeker-sensitive type of thing going on, even though the seeker-sensitive movement, they say, has kind of died out, we are left with the rubble of it. We're left in, the, in all these things that have crept into the church to where messages now in churches are being given to basically just, well, it's a self-help book. Do you want to be blessed in your life? Do you want this blessing? Well, then do this. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to see the power of God? Do you, 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 do you, 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 you? Right? I got news for you guys. It's not about you. It's about him. You see, he's the one we're here to praise and to give glory and honor to. Not you. You want to be healed? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God doesn't heal and God doesn't bless. He does, and he does want to do that for you. But guess what? It's his will be done, not yours. Always has been. You know, this is the great, when, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, we see one of the temptations is, is basically to, to get the, uh, to get Jesus to, to go to himself. And one of the things is the, the sin of pride. He takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple, the devil does, and he says to Jesus, he says, if you are the son of God, jump, for it is written. He even takes him to the word. It is written that the angels will guard you to keep you from dashing your foot against the stone. But you see, the devil left out some words there. He misquoted scripture. And there's a lot of that going on in churches today, but if you don't know the scriptures, you won't know that when it happens from the pulpits. He says, it is written, the angels will protect you in all your ways. He left that part out. You see, I think that's what's happening in the churches today, too, is people are coming, and, and we're saying, oh, you want to be blessed? You, you know, go ahead, you will be healed. I command that you're going to be healed in the name of Jesus, and blah, 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 and, you know, and we're like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Never is it if it's God's will. Maybe God wants you to be sick. Because maybe he's going to bring glory to himself through your sickness. I don't know. Maybe he wants you to be healed. My point is, is we don't know. We leave that up to him. We pray for it. We believe in it. But we leave it up to him. You see, our heart, as I said, is deceitful. And just because we want the good news doesn't mean it's what's best for us. Jeremiah continues here in verse 12. He says, After the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah... The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, 
go back. <laughs> you tell him this, this is what the Lord says, you have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah, the prophet, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. I gotta be honest, guys, I'm getting frustrated, frustrated with churches and people, pastors, who I can say the Lord has not sent them. And they are persuading people to believe in all kinds of lies. Lies that have twisted the gospel. As Galatians warns, if anyone comes to you and gives another gospel other than the one that I have preached, let him be condemned. There, there are so many people in the churches who believe that somehow they can earn their way to heaven, that somehow they can be good enough. And as I evangelize, I hear it all the time. I hear people saying, well, I'm a pretty good Christian. You know, if, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Well, I'd go to heaven. Why? Well, I'm a pretty good person. I pray. I go to church. That's not going to get you. I'll tell you what, just because you're sitting here today doesn't mean that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, or that you're going to heaven. Okay? The true gospel is by grace that we have been saved, not of works. Well, he goes on here. I lost my place. Let me get it back. Verse 16, Therefore this is what the Lord says, I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. By the way, how do we preach rebellion against the Lord? What is the Lord? It's the word of God. All you have to do is say, Oh, you don't, that, that's, you don't worry about that. That part, you know, that's, that was for them, not for us. You preach rebellion against the Lord of God when you start picking and choosing which parts of the Bible are okay and which parts aren't. That's exactly what Hananiah was saying. Hananiah was a priest. I'm sure he preached great messages from time to time. I'm sure, you know, he, he gave God's word at time, but then he's saying, ah, oh, but this word, uh-uh, that's not right. In the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah, the prophet, died. You know, there is a common denominator of false prophets. Just like Hananiah, just like what I was saying here, and that is this. They will always turn you away from God's commands. Always. Always will turn you away from God's commands. But remember, even Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what you want to do. No. If you love me, you will do what I say. Proverbs 28, verse 9. If anyone turns a deaf ear to God's law, even his prayers are detestable to him. When we would do street ministry, I had a lady come up one time, and we were outside of a bar witnessing, and uh, she came up claiming to be a homosexual and practicing all ungodliness. And uh, I said, you know, do you go to church? She goes, well, I'm, I, I'm saved. I, I pray at night. And I said, well, God hates your prayers. And she goes, 
what do you mean? I said, well, you just told me you, you could care less about homosexuality, that you, know, you were practicing bisexualism yourself, so you don't care about the commands of God, right? God is just good. You love him, and God is good, and he forgives everybody, but yet you don't care about the commands of God. But yet you're praying to him? And I opened up to Proverbs 28, verse 9. I turned it around, put my finger on that verse. I said, please read this out loud. She, she read, if anyone turns a deaf ear to God's law, even his prayers are detestable. For the first time, she got really, well, she sobered right up, and she was like, oh. Because all she's been told is this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I got news for you guys. There is another part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's obedience. Not that you obey, therefore you have the gospel. It's when you have the gospel, you therefore obey. Faith without works, it's dead. Okay, I'm not trying to say that you have to go measure to find out if you're saved or not by measuring your works. What I'm saying is this, by nature, by the very nature of being saved, you're going to want to do good. I was talking with somebody here earlier this week. You know, I obey God much more now in my life than I ever did because I used to do it under the law. It was thou shalt and thou shalt not, and oh, to be a good Christian, I better not do this. Okay, and not only did that just beat me up and drive me to insanity, because I could never keep God's commandments. It, it, it was a lie. Now, I don't worry about the commandments of God because I'm not under the condemnation of it. And now, I obey not because I was told not to do something or told to do something. I just do it almost like it's an instinct because it's who I am. God has changed me. Oh, I sure mess up from time to time quite a bit. My wife is here now. She'd probably tell you a lot. But the point is, is there's a connection, a marriage between the law and the gospel, a marriage that says, if you love me, you will. You will do. Not that I have to. I'm just going to. I'll make mistakes. You see... Basically, the church is saying we're all under grace, we're all under grace, but they've forgotten, as so many false prophets have done. They give you what you want to hear, and I've had so many people tell me that. People will say, well, you know, I go to this church because they don't tell me what, you know. I, I don't like going and feeling bad about myself. I, I like going away feeling good about myself when I'm done. That's what a false prophet does. He gives you what you want to hear, but he'll never tell you what you don't want to hear. He's never going to challenge you with his word. And he's going to say, oh, don't worry about the commands of God. Ezekiel 13.10 says, because they lead my people astray, saying peace when there is no peace, and because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Guys, I got news for you. False prophets, they don't come with name tags. Okay? They don't walk into your door. They don't stand up behind the pulpit and look like the devil. They look like angels of light. You see, Judas, when he was in the church, do you know even the disciples couldn't recognize him? They didn't even know. When he says, one of you are going to betray me, they're all like, is it me? Is it me? They, they, they weren't all sitting, I bet it's him. You see, guys, this is what a false prophet is like, and this is why we need to know truth. How do you determine? You go to the word. 
2 Corinthians 11 says, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. The enemy is cloaked with a message of God's mercy. That's what Hananiah, that prophet, did. It was a message cloaked with God's mercy. Don't worry, it's all going to be okay. I got news for you guys. It's not going to be okay in this country. It is not going to be okay unless the church repents and we get down on our knees and we start praying and saying, Lord, forgive us. Because we as a country have abandoned God. We're not standing on his word. We're not standing up for truth. We're just letting it not only go in our world, but into our churches as well. I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be okay. At least as a country, I'm okay. Because no matter what happens, even when the enemy comes and they conquer and they submit, make us submit to whatever, you know what, I'm okay. You know why? Because just as God said he was going to be with those people, he says, listen, judgment's coming, but I'm going to be with you. I'll be with you. Oh, you may not have your BMW anymore. You may not have that same, you know, five-bedroom uh, home, but you're going to be okay. You're going to escape with your life. I don't know what's going to happen in this country. I'm not giving some prophecy up here. What I'm saying is this. God tells us what's going to happen when a country uh, walks away from his commands and disobeys, and we're there. But it will be okay, because what matters isn't what kind of car I drive or what kind of home I have, but it's whether I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I don't need to fear him who can even kill my body, but can't kill my soul. And that's the message that we need to be preaching today. Not, oh, do you want to be blessed? Serve God, you're going to get a picket fence. The message we need to preach is this. Jesus Christ came and he died on that cross to take away the sins that we all have done. And it would not be okay, and it will not be okay for you if you do not know Jesus. But you see, because I know Jesus, he has taken my sins away as far as the east is from the west. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That is my hope today for America, is that we would repent of our sins, know that we need it, and know that what matters is eternity, not what's here. Not this world, not the pleasures of life, not my home, but this. Is it you know, Philippians, you know, the man should not boast of his rich man, the rich man should not boast of his riches, the wise man not boast of his wisdom, but he who boasts should boast in this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, righteousness, and justice in the land. That's what's important. Don't let these seeker-sensitive messages out there tell you that it's all okay and you just keep living the life the way you need to. No, we need to repent. And we need to take this message seriously so that we will do like what Rick was saying. Go plant churches. That we're going to go share this gospel with people 
Because, guys, there's an urgency. An urgency to tell people the word of God, the truth, not just continue to, to sing them a lullaby to make them go to sleep and say it's okay. We need to tell them the truth, even if it means standing up in our meetings in front of everybody. Galatians 1.10 says this, if I should yet seek to please Christ, or seek men, I should not be a servant of Christ Jesus. We need to love people enough not to fear what they're going to think of us, but to give them the truth. And the truth is, it's not okay until we repent and know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then it's okay. Then we can have peace. Then we can understand hope, joy, even in cancer. Joy in losing our home. We can find joy in the death of a loved one. Because then it's okay. Because my life isn't this life. I'm but a foreigner here. Who hopes for what he yet, yet has, right? Does not yet have, Romans says. If we hope, we hope for what we do not yet have. And we wait for it patiently. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus to come back. That's my home. That's my hope. That's the promise that God has given us. So, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your hope, the joy, the peace, the righteousness that you and you alone have given us. Father, may we just not put our hope in anything else. When we hear these messages that are just things that go after our heart and our emotions, Lord, may we have a discerning spirit to recognize the fullness of the word of God. That we would recognize uh, that there's more than just your grace. That we are living in a country that has rejected you. We have rejected your word. We have rejected the truth. May we put that truth back on its throne. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.